Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. We're going to um, be continuing our sermon series called Practicing the Way This Morning. Um, looking at how we become disciples or apprentices of Jesus, seeking out the life and life to the full that he promised, learning to take on his easy yoke through three goals that we're looking at, and that is being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. And this is an invitation to all. Jesus said, come follow me. Come and be my disciple or apprentice. Come learn from me, spend time with me, become like me, do what I do. And if you've missed any of the last few sermons, as Dan said, um, I'd highly recommend you go back and listen to those um, podcasts on the CCM website. Last week, Hannah focused on the first goal, which is being with Jesus, looking at how we are to abide in the vine or remain, to stay, to hang out with Jesus. And hopefully following this and during your community group discussions this week, you had um, a think about what areas of your life you're going to allow God to cut back Um, things that are getting in the way of your life as an apprentice to Jesus and then what new spiritual habits you could adopt instead so for me I decided um, to give up listening to podcasts on the bus into work Um, now these are are not a a bad thing in themselves however it was just adding to to my busyness it was adding to that constant noise in my day Um, so instead instead of listening to a podcast I used the Lectio 365 app Um, to spend some time praying, processing the day ahead with God. Um, And it really just helped me to to slow down and reflect. Um, I went into work in a better frame of mind um, and more aware of the presence of God with me. So this week we are moving on to our second goal, which is becoming like Jesus, a process that is also known as sanctification. So let me start by asking you a question this morning um, and ignore the title of the sermon for now. I want an honest answer from you, um, not kind of the Sunday school answer of Jesus. Um, Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? And that's a very deep question for so early on a Sunday morning, um, but it's worth some thought. And before you all say, I am becoming myself, Luke Roden, Dan Wilcock, that is true to some extent. We are all unique. However, we are all being shaped by something. Whether we like it or not, our hearts are being shaped by things around us. This could be the people we hang out with. This could be the celebrities that we follow on social media. This could be things we like to watch or the role models that we've had or indeed the lack of role models that we've had. Our country of origin, the neighbourhood we live in, how we spend our time, our habits. And again, I'm not saying these are necessarily good or bad things, but purely stating that they all shape who we are becoming. So I'll give you an example When Bethana was first born, she was um, a very sicky baby, so she couldn't lie down um, on her back when she slept. So this required me and Rosalind um, to tag team through the night, taking it in turns to sit with Bethana asleep on our shoulder for three hours at a time. And this gave me an opportunity to spend an unhealthy amount of time with Jamie Oliver. Um, So yeah, I think I've got, there you go, best friends hanging out. Um, So whilst... While I was trying to stay awake at 3am in the morning, I used to watch many hours of Jamie's cooking classes. Italy with Jamie, 
keep cooking and carry on, quick and easy food, Jamie and, Jilly, Jamie and Jimmy's Friday night feast. So I thought this was harmless at first, until one dinner time, I was making some food, and I took the bacon tray out of the oven, and no joke, I looked at Rosalyn, and I said, look at how good this roasted veg is, it's all charred and gnarly. And I, I'd never used the word gnarly in my life before. And she gave me one of those looks that just didn't need an explanation. I had been spending too much time with Jamie. I was becoming a little bit too much like him. Now, it's a light-hearted story, but there is truth in it. We are all being shaped by the world around us. When you look at the trajectory of your life, 10, 20, 30 years ahead, what version of you do you see at the end of it? Who are you becoming? And do you see Jesus? When I read about Jesus in the Gospels, I see a man who loved people unconditionally, a man with remarkable wisdom, with incredible compassion for others, immense patience, a life of full contentment despite the circumstances he was in, living with purpose. And one of the things that always stands out for me is how Jesus was always so present. Whatever situation he found himself in, like when he was on his way to raise a girl from the dead and the bleeding woman stopped him in the street, interrupting him on his way. He had time for her, despite having somewhere important to be. When Jesus had just heard about the death of his cousin John and set sail to withdraw to a solitary place, turning that corner and finding a crowd of 5,000 people waiting for him. If I were Jesus, I would have said, Peter, James, John, you keep rowing. Everyone else, whistle, look the other way. They might not see us. But not Jesus. He was always present in the moment. He had time for people. So is it actually possible to become like Jesus? I mean, is this transformation realistic? To experience the life of Jesus that we read about? And I'll be honest with you all this morning, I really struggled writing this sermon this week. Um, In preparation, spending a lot of time thinking about what it means to become like Jesus, looking at his character. And this just made me very acutely aware of my shortcomings. So on Thursday, when I was going out with Bethana, I had had a hectic morning. I got impatient with Rosalind when trying to leave the house and gave her short, snappy replies. I got irritated with Bethana when she wouldn't listen to me. And then to top it all off, I got in the car, I turned onto Manchester Road to be greeted with just a stream of traffic, just to test my patience that little bit more. But whilst we're on holiday, Jesus reminded me of something. Whilst on our walks, um, Bethana would just stop and pick things up as we were walking along. Rocks, pine cones, sticks. As you can tell, we just didn't get very far on our walk. She was always just picking things up. But she also liked to find acorns. I've got a little acorn here for you. And as I looked at this acorn that she presented to me, and I looked at the big oak tree that it had fallen from, I was reminded that the process of becoming like Jesus is very much that. It is a process. Just like this acorn... It takes a long time for it to grow into an oak tree. Gradual growth, day after day. So the answer is yes, transformation is possible, but it is often a slow process. And it's important to say it's not inevitable either. It will not just happen by itself. And also, I just want to make it clear that I don't have this all figured out either. Become like Jesus, check, nailed it. No, I'm on this journey too. So let's get stuck in today's passage. Um, We are going to be reading from Luke's Gospel um, in the New Testament, and we're going to be looking at chapter 6, starting at verse 39, 
Uh, so please feel free to read it in your Bible or on your phone, or the verses will appear on the screen behind me as well. So chapter 6, verse 39, says, He, that is Jesus, also told them this parable. Which parable? It's another word for a story or an illustration. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the pit? The student, or some translations say disciple, is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. There is that reference again to training. And if you can be fully trained, as these verses suggest, this implies that you can also be partially trained. Meaning, as I said with the acorn analogy, this is a process. It is going to take time. It is going to take effort. And we are going to have to change. So let's continue at verse 46. So chapter 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So as I mentioned earlier, we are all becoming someone. We're all being shaped by the things around us. All we have to do is wake up and go about your day, and without realising it, our heart is being shaped. Advertising, social media, TV, music, relationships, your place of work, your phone. And to counter the way the world is shaping us, we need to actively look to Jesus to be shaped by him. We need to build our life on him, on the unshakable rock. So this morning I'm going to focus on uh, three key areas that I feel are vital for this process, and that is practice, community, and the Holy Spirit. So first off, practice. You might be surprised to hear that I've actually completed a half marathon before. Um, Particularly surprising, not because of my poor fitness levels, as highlighted by James the other week, um, but because of my huge dislike for running. Um, But one evening at university, one of my housemates suggested there and then that we all just sign up to run the Sheffield Half Marathon. And not wanting to be the one to back out of a challenge, before I knew it, we were all signed up and registered to run this half marathon. None of us had run one before. How hard could it be, we thought. We soon found out the next morning we were up early for our first run together. And we we did a circular uh, circular loop around the area that we were living in um, and managed three laps before we collapsed in a heap. Eager to find out how far we had run, we went back inside to map out our route, check the distance. Surely that was almost full race distance. If not 13.1 miles, it must have been close to 10. No, three and a half miles. We had a long way to go. We needed to start training and we needed to practice. So our passage this morning follows on from um, Luke's record of the Sermon on the Mount, which is a collection of Jesus' teachings. Verse 47 says, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my word, or my teachings, and puts them into practice, they are like a man building a house, who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it, because it was well built. He says we are to read these words and put them into practice. It does not say everyone who just reads these words of mine. It says everyone who reads these words and puts them into practice. T. 
Teaching must always lead to practice, otherwise it only stays as head knowledge. Coming to church on a Sunday and hearing a sermon, or listening to a Christian podcast in the week, or reading your Bible, are all great things to do. Please, please don't mishear me, what I'm saying here. They are really great things to do. But you won't become more like Jesus through these things alone. If these teachings do not move from head knowledge to a change in our heart, we will not see transformation. We need to put them into practice. It's like when I first learned to snowboard, um, I was super keen. I, there you go, here's a picture of me. Um, I'm joking, that's definitely not me. <laughs> um, so when I first learned to snowboard, I was super keen. Ahead of my first lesson, I did loads of research. I watched beginner YouTube videos, I started reading snowboarding magazines. I learned kind of all the terminology and the theory about different snowboard types. What do you think happened when I first strapped on a snowboard? I fell flat on my face. Teaching is useful. Those things I learned eventually came to help me, but what I needed was practice. The practices of Jesus, or spiritual disciplines as we often call them, are things that we see him doing in the Bible, ways he lived, the habits that he adopted. And in the coming weeks, we are going to focus in more detail on some of these practices. Take one a week at a time, such as quiet time, reading your Bible, slowing down, generosity, Sabbath, meeting together. But I urge you not just to listen to the messages on a Sunday, put them into practice during the week. And just as this acorn cannot wake up one morning and try really, really, really hard and instantly become an oak tree, as with us, we cannot expect to wake up try really hard, and suddenly be like Jesus. Recently, I'll admit that there was a... I had a period of life where life got busy. Deadlines seemed to build up at work. Um, A lot was going on at church. Uh, We were travelling a fair bit at weekends. um, And without realising it, my time with Jesus got squeezed. And notice how this often happens. It's never kind of intentionally, but often the enemy's scheme is just to make us busy. Anyway, I had a realisation that I needed to get back on track. Right, I must try harder, I thought. Tomorrow I'm going to get up an hour earlier to spend time with God. What do you think happened? My alarm went off an hour earlier. I snoozed it. Twice. Eventually I was up. I stumbled downstairs, half asleep. Almost fall asleep again on the sofa. Right, I've got to stay awake. I go and get a glass of orange juice from the fridge. Prop myself up. Right, start reading my Bible. I read the same passage four times through. Not because I'm super holy, but because I can't remember what I've just read. Okay, let's try praying instead. But I then get distracted about worrying about that meeting later today. Right, okay, I'm going to journal. Let's put pen to paper. That will help me stay focused. Suddenly I hear Bethana wake up. It's time for a shower. Off out the door to work, feeling like even more of a failure than I had done before. That's the result of trying harder. It doesn't get you anywhere. It's not about trying, it's about training. As we've said, it's not about trying, it's about training. How do we get, using the marathon analogy, how do we get from mile three to three and a half? Or mile nine to nine and a half? Or how do we just get off the sofa? Start where you're at and work up from there. Are you managing 10 minutes of quiet time in the morning? That's great. Could you look to increase it to 15? If you're not doing anything right now, could you start your day with a short psalm or a prayer in the morning? 
And as we go through these practices in more depth in the coming weeks, you'll find that some of them require us to live radically different, particularly in today's world. Verse 48 says, They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. This verse is not suggesting it's going to be easy. The wise builder had to dig down deep. Building foundations is hard work. And let me make it super clear as well that this is not about needing to do more to be saved. Absolutely not. No, becoming a Christian, receiving salvation, is instantaneous. When you believe in Jesus, you believe that he is the son of God, he died for your sins, you are saved. Nothing else is required. This is about the process of becoming like Jesus, to experience this life and life to the full that Jesus offers. This is about taking on Jesus' teachings, his practices, his easy yoke. Now, a few years ago, I realised that I was spending too much time on my phone. I was getting distracted by pointless YouTube videos. I was reading lots of BBC Sport articles. I was sorting my fantasy football team each week. I decided I needed to cut back the time I spent on my phone. I actually did the radical thing of reverting back to using my old brick phone that I had lying around in my bedside drawer. I say old brick, it was actually smaller than my smartphone, but I don't know why we call them bricks. I made a decision in a world that was so fast-paced to go against the grain, to live differently. I stepped off the treadmill and slowed down. And I saw real fruit from it as well. I, I got a lot more time to spend with Jesus. When I was with people, I was actually present. I wasn't distracted. When I woke up in the morning, I didn't receive loads of notifications ringing in my ear. I could sit and read my physical Bible. And it was only for a season. I'm back with my smartphone now. But I needed to do something in that moment in my life to cut back, to allow me to press into Jesus. And another practice is memorising scripture. From what we read in the Bible, we know that Jesus memorised scripture. This was a key practice for him. Growing up, he was regularly in the synagogue learning. And we read at the very start of his ministry how he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Each time he is tempted, he dismisses the devil by quoting scripture, essentially saying, I'm not going to believe this lie. Here is the word of God. I'm not going to be overcome by this temptation. Here is the word of God. It says in the Bible that he says, away from me, Satan, for it is written. And notice how the battle against temptation is won long before the temptation comes along. It is won in the practicing. In this case, the practicing of memorizing scripture. The battle is won long before the storm comes. It is won in digging deep foundations on the rock. That takes time. It takes commitment. So question for you this morning. Is there ground you could be taking now against certain temptations in your life by adopting some of the practices of Jesus? Are there practices you could adopt to help dig deeper foundations to make sure you are rooted in Jesus? And before we move on to community, I just want to pause to say the goal is to become like Jesus, to learn from him and apply his practices to our lives. What would he do if he were me, but with my personality in my current life stage and my circumstances? And this will look different for all of us. So I recently had a long, tiring day at work. I was exhausted. Rosalind was away, so when I got home, I, had to, I went and picked up Bethana from nursery. I fed her, put her to bed. Then I collapsed on the sofa, watched Star Wars and ate pizza. A great evening, I hear you cry. Now, there was nothing ultimately bad about those choices. 
but I don't believe it is how Jesus would have done it if he were me. What I read in the Bible is how Jesus often withdrew to be with the Father, particularly when he was busy. He chose silence and solitude, time recentering on God and resting with him. So I think a more helpful practice for me that evening would have been to spend some time in prayer or even just to lie on the sofa and listen to some worship music, bringing my day before God, processing my thoughts with him, then for sure enjoying pizza and Star Wars, because I'm sure Jesus is a fan, um, but having first committed things to him. I am positive I would have slept better that night and I'm sure I'd have woken up the day and the next day with a better attitude as well. So what would Jesus do if he were you with your personality, at your life stage and in your circumstance. So community, transformation happens in the context of community. When the time came for me running my half marathon, I was incredibly grateful to have my friends alongside me in the race. We encouraged one another. We challenged one another to keep going when we were struggling. We had a laugh on the journey as well when we were going. And we celebrated together when we crossed that, crossed that finishing line. And isn't that a great analogy for our Christian race? The goal of ultimately becoming more like Christ. We are not meant to run this Christian race on our own. We were always designed to be in community, to have brothers and sisters in Christ alongside us. People to encourage us to keep going. People to challenge us when we're not on the right path. To support one another. To have a laugh together. And how wonderful will it be to celebrate together when we reach the finishing line, when we eventually get to heaven. I once heard a sermon that asked the question, who is in your crew? Who do you have alongside you for the journey? And I really like Jesus' model of friendships and community. I think I've got a little diagram. I did this last night. It's not a great diagram, but it helps give the point. He had the three, Peter, James and John, as his closest inner circle. Those he went deepest with, shared the most intimate moments with. Then he had the 12, the 12 disciples, those he did life with. And then there were the 72 and wider circle of followers who he hung out with but didn't share the same depth of relationship with. So I ask you, who is in your crew? Who have you got around you that will not only encourage you but will also challenge you and call you out on things? This is where the transformation happens. When we are vulnerable enough to let others know our weaknesses, know our blind spots. Not so they can judge you but so they can support you push you on to be more like Jesus. Proverbs 27:17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So I pray with James once a week. Um, it's only 30 minutes that we squeeze into a lunchtime. Um, but I find this just so helpful to me. It helps me be accountable to someone. It encourages me. And it's just that weekly recentering on Jesus. And I absolutely love meeting with my community group each week to share life together, eat together, laugh together, digest the Bible together, pray together. And at community group this week, we challenge each other to set practical things we could do to each hang out with Jesus, with the aim of checking in with one another. And the aim is not to make people feel bad if they haven't done it. No, we do it because we want the best for each other. We know that these practices will help us become more like Jesus and experience the life he has on offer. So as Dan said at the start, we just encourage anyone who is not in a community group already to get stuck in. So speak to myself or one of the other leaders um, after the service, and we will help you get plugged in. We'd love for you to get plugged in. 
And then there is church family. What a joy it is to be part of this church family at Reddish. What a wonderful group of people you all are. And genuinely, you all help me point to Jesus. I genuinely look forward to meeting together, to worshipping together, to having fellowship with one another each Sunday. But let's be honest as well, living in community can be difficult at times. We are all human, we are all different, we all make mistakes. We will get on each other's nerves at times. So we need abundant grace for one another. We need patience, we need love, we need to be intentional. But let me be clear, we need community. We are the body of Christ. Transformation happens in the context of community. So finally, Holy Spirit. In a marathon, you can have done all the training, have the right people alongside you, but if you do not change your diet and eat the right food for fuel in the race, you won't get very far. In the same way, in your transformation to becoming like Jesus, practices in community alone will not get you there. And again, don't mishear me here. These things will certainly help, and we should absolutely be pursuing these things, but they aren't enough. We need the Holy Spirit. I've mentioned it in previous sermons, but worry is a big issue for me, something that I actually really struggle with, from things like worrying about whether I've locked the front door um, to worrying about what people think of me um, and whether I've upset someone. Um, And I've listened to many teachings on dealing with worry. I've adopted some practices like memorising scripture, like the one in Matthew, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Or in Joshua 1, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I have community around me who I can turn to for prayer and support when I'm worrying about something, or to politely remind me to get a grip if it's something I shouldn't be worrying about at all. But when something big hits, these things help, but I need more. I need the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. This freedom is on offer. And the good news is, as Christians, we all get access to the Holy Spirit. It dwells inside each of us. When Jesus died and ascended into heaven, he sent a helper, the Holy Spirit, to live in us. And as we abide with Jesus, as we become more like him, we will become more aware of the Spirit's presence and power within us. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. How reassuring are those verses? The Spirit helps us in our weakness and is interceding for us. That word interceding means the Spirit is praying for us. And I know there have been times for me where one minute I have been really worried about something, gripped with unhelpful thoughts, unable to sleep at night. But then I feel a supernatural peace come over me, a calm, a stillness. Nothing I have done myself, but in my weakness, the Spirit has helped me. 2 Corinthians 3 goes on to say, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So again, is change or transformation possible? Yes, it absolutely is. But as I said before, this change is not inevitable. It takes a lifetime of intentional living, a lifetime of practising the ways of Jesus, living in community together and being in tune with the spirit living inside of us. 
Each day, we will become a little bit more like Jesus. It may take months or even years to work through some issues. And in fact, the truth is we will never be fully like Jesus until we get to heaven. But each day through training, we grow that little bit more like him. And we're not guaranteed an easy life. Far from it. These verses are clear that storms will come. But building our life on the way of Jesus, putting into practice his teachings, having him as our rock, will ensure that our house is not shaken.